Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quay. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Today is the cherry on top. It's Illinois Lawsuit Abuse Lawsuit Abuse Awareness Week. And we'll talk with Travis Aiken, Executive Director of ILAW this morning, about that very topic. And we have last night's vice presidential debate to, well, hem and haw about, if not dissect. So as uh, one brilliant person put it in our pre-show meeting, scoop the ice cream. It's time to party today on the morning <laughs> meeting. That's all it takes? Well, Scoop the ice cream. Usually when ice cream is being scooped, there's there's nothing but good stuff happening. That's right. So, you know. It I implies a party. Yes. There's, and if not a party, at least. An a, occasion for celebration. Something something fun is going on. All right. So we'll, I, we'll see if we can live up to that this morning on the morning meeting. I've got a horrible. What's the matter? Hum or something in my. Okay, that one's not so bad. Can you need me to bang on some equipment with an ice cream scooper? No, we'll just use this hole. It's fine. That other one didn't. Wasn't giving it to me like I like it. Uh, Coming up this morning on the morning meeting, Travis Aiken in just a bit. And let's go ahead and start with the audio from last night, producer Josh. Last night, it was the lone vice presidential debate uh, between Tim Kaine and Mike Pence. And there were expectations going in okay. about who was going to get feisty, uh, how how rowdy would it be, would there be actual personal stances and policies, or, as is much more common, would everyone just be arguing as the proxy for the top of the ticket, which is the norm mm-hmm. during this? Well, that's what they're expected to, mm-hmm. to do. So uh, a lot of people kind of downplay this. Is these, this isn't the main event. You know, these, like you said, these are the, the, the staff, essentially, the, the underlings arguing on behalf of. I believe it was the two of us who said the only one who stood a chance of getting squirrely, and we're borrowing from Craig Robinson there because he's the guy who labeled Tim Kaine squirrely mm-hmm. on this show a couple of weeks ago, uh, that the only one really had the uh, ability to really get squirrely was Kane, and he delivered. He delivered a certain variety of squirrely. I don't know that Mike Pence has it in him. Even if Pence, under Pence's definition, got squirrely, I don't know that we would call it that. Sure. You would would need to ask, like, his mom or his wife. Was he getting squirrely? (laughs) Because I don't think we would recognize it even if he were. Right. Maybe we'd have to get the lieutenant governor of Indiana to tell us if he was getting a little out of character for him at at that point. Okay, Josh, let's hit it with this. Today we'll pick up our critique, our thoughts, uh, our summation of what you saw and heard from last night's VP debate. The test of a Clinton administration will not be the signing of a bill or the passage of a bill. It'll be whether we can make somebody's life better. Senator, you and Hillary Clinton would know a lot about an insult-driven campaign. Do you want a your hired president in Hillary Clinton, or do you want a your fired president in Donald Trump? The policies of this administration 
which Hillary Clinton and Senator Kane want to continue, have run this economy into a ditch. I can't imagine how Governor Pence can defend the insult-driven, selfish, me-first style of Donald Trump. Donald Trump supports our troops. Donald Trump supports our veterans. He won't pay taxes. Donald Trump has paid all the taxes that he's... Do you not take deductions? Gentlemen, this how is does a... that work? If you don't know the difference between dictatorship and leadership, then you got to go back to a fifth grade civics class. The weak and feckless foreign policy of Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama has awakened an aggression in Russia. If you want to have a society where people are respected and respect laws, you can't have somebody at the top who demeans every group that he talks about. Those were just some of the highlights from last night's VP debate. I thought Pence did well for himself. The overall narrative afterward was that Pence sort of won the debate for whatever that'll get you. I mean, mm-hmm. that and a dollar will get you a cup of coffee. Uh, the moderator, Elaine Cujano, I thought, well, I, I had high hopes. And then it felt like, how do I want to put this? I don't thought, I didn't think that she was absolutely biased, but it felt like Mike Pence was made to play a road game where the home team picked the official. Oh, well, you got to remember uh, Tim Kaine, and I know that this the, the location was chosen long before Tim Kaine was mm-hmm. chosen as as the uh, the vice presidential candidate. Sure. Uh, but it was most definitely a home game for Kaine, and he looked like he had a, at least the, the comfort of knowing that if he needed a call, he was going to get a call. Uh, Or if he was going to want a non-call, because after her continued exasperations over them interrupting each other and talking over each other, and she admonished them a couple of times, Mm -hmm. it seemed like that only meant to admonish Pence because Kane just kept going. There were there were interruption trackers going on during this, and some people say they counted as much as seventy-two times that Kane interrupted Pence along the way. And I almost wonder was that the strategy going in? which was just don't let him say anything. Well, Interrupt him so often and accuse Trump of malfeasances at every turn so that he can't actually get a sentence out of his mouth. And then she would jump in. It seemed like every time Kane was, was, was not jumping in and Pence was making an eloquent point or about to, she would say, and next question. She would yeah, encourage him to wrap it up. Time is running out, and we need to move forward. That's your time, uh, Governor. There was, there was in the one, middle of a sentence. About three-quarters of the way through, I thought she's completely— it, it became apparent to me that not only had she lost control, but she'd lost focus on herself and what she was doing. Because I believe there was a point where she asked a question of Tim Kaine. He answered it. And then Pence never got a chance to respond yes, to anything. Yes, I, I remember what you're and talking about. And then she about. asked Kane another question. I'm like, mm-hmm. what just happened here? This, this, and you're right. Uh, Kane's game plan uh, was probably to filibuster his way through everything. You got to mm-hmm. remember, as long as the focus is on Donald Trump, Hillary does better. As long as the focus is on Hillary, Donald Trump does better. So the battle last night was, who can we keep the focus on? And Kane most definitely was there to keep the focus on Trump. And not really, he, he, he made an attempt a couple of times to extol the virtues of Hillary Clinton. But the main point of what he was doing was to keep the heat on and keep the focus on and keep the spotlight on Donald Trump. When he wasn't trying to put that spotlight on Donald Trump, there was a theme 
to the answers that he was giving on behalf of Hillary Clinton and what would be a Hillary Clinton administration. Producer Josh, can you play just the very first part of that back? The very first thing that Tim Kaine says is, is all I need to sort of punch this home. Uh, if we've got that queued up, just give me the, the very first part, the very first sentence uh, or two from Tim Kaine here. The test of a Clinton administration will not be the signing of a bill or the passage of a bill. It'll be whether we can make somebody's life better. Okay, that's good enough. Right there. That was the theme he came back to all night. Whether or not we, we as government, whether or not government mm. can make your life mm -hmm. better. Every answer that he gave was government-centric, government expansion in your life, government expansion in the role of society in this country, uh, government as the benevolent dictator, which was interesting because he would later in the debate accuse Trump and Pence of being a fan of a Russian dictator. But what he and the Clintons want to set up here is a governmental dictatorship where you have to pay if, if you're just paying what you owe in taxes, that's not enough and you're a bad person. Uh, I don't know how that works. I was with Pence on this one. This, you notice Kane wouldn't answer when he oh, asked. Do you him, not take deductions? Yeah. Did you yeah. take any deductions? Did you pay any extra? And he wouldn't answer because nobody does that. You can. It's legal. Sure. It's not. Certainly. It's not a pass or fail question. It's not when when you figure up your tax bill or or your tax attorney or or you know uh, H and R Block or whoever you use figures it up. That's just what you owe. Like it's not a, right. You don't say, "Hey, pass fail." Throw in another ten yeah. percent hey, because you know what? I'm feeling good today. Hey, I really like that Snap program. Throw another five hundo on there. Yeah, make sure it goes to that. Yeah, and send it to Michelle. Yeah, that. Uh, so it, I don't know anybody who does that. And I thought that's where where Pence I thought could have hammered it out a little bit more was on the economy. Your your top of the ticket has been fundamental in her role in the Obama administration for the rules of the game that have been adopted, the rules of the game that has been changed, and after you created those rules, you're angry at us for playing the game by the rules you created? I mean, it's, it, it's just it's ludicrous on its face mm, yeah. that, that Tim Kaine would, would uh, try to paint the, uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pence as bad guys for playing by the rules. They didn't invent the federal tax code. They simply, when you sit down to play a game of Parcheesi, if you use the rules to your advantage, <laughs> you're just using the rules to your advantage. You didn't invent the rules. That's the way they were when you started the game. Yeah, you don't, you don't when you, uh, you know, uh, spin the spinner, say, and I'll give you two extra spins. That's right. Until you get something you like. Best two out of three. <laughs> One of the interesting things uh, that I didn't hear anybody bring up last night, but it, it dawned on me about uh, 15 or 20 minutes in, uh, is that Mike Pence was in this tough position uh, where he was having to make the case of a voting public, a taxpaying public, that is very tired of the way elected officials have run things. Mm -hmm. uh, and well, he's he an elected... He was the representative of the outsider campaign. Right, but he's as, an elected official. Yeah, multiple times. So y y there was like this... Uh, and you could... I don't know if you could see it, but I could feel it like an internal conflict. Mm -hmm. Because he has to make the case for we've been doing it wrong and people are dissatisfied, but I'm one of those people who's been elected... And hey, hey and how you been doing? doing it? Right. So it, you know, it's like me asking you to make the case against left-handers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, 
it's 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 uh, an unnatural position right. to try and and expect me uh, to 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 take, and yet we, Mike Pence was sent out there last night uh, to do it. So uh, it, was, it was a tough job uh, for him. I thought he did all right. I thought that I think he was a little taken aback by. The extra squirreliness from Kane out of the gate. Kane came out like he'd taken a couple of greenies, and he was yeah. he was ready to go. and And I can hit you in eight different directions at one time with two hands. And I think Pence was a little taken aback by that. Once he got his feet under him, he was fine. I, I think I, I we were texting back and forth a, a little bit to, during the debate. I, I think at one point in time I said Kane's trying to sell us a used vehicle, mm-hmm. and that that used vehicle is Hillary, and it's a lemon. And and Pence is just mid midwestern, trying mm-hmm. to be midwestern gentlemen, and these two styles and tones are clashing in front of everybody. It was interesting to watch as Kane came off. In, I'm going to use a, a word that isn't used very often. Peevish to me. Peevish. He didn't. He didn't want to debate ideas other than to say government has the answer and Donald Trump's a bad person. He was very on message. He had his he had his focus group tested lines, mm-hmm. a president who hires or a president who fires, uh, all these sorts of things that were sort of ready to go. He almost seemed over-practiced to me, over-rehearsed. It's like he was, like somebody gave him <laughs> the lines for a play and he was just kind of spitting them out on cue. Yeah. Uh, Whereas uh, as Pence came off very kind of thoughtful, and 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 uh, I I hate the phrase the adult in the room so I'm not going to level that but he came off as as thoughtful he came off as someone who is looking for solutions to problems not just politicking against the other opponent now he did plenty of his fair share of accusing Hillary of the the email server scam and all of those things uh, uh, the 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 whitewashing of history about her role mm-hmm. in Benghazi and Iran and all these things. And, and he brought all those things up as, as he needed to. So he wasn't just some, you know, high-minded uh, a statesman philosopher who was there just working on things. No, he kept on the offensive when he had the chance to, mm-hmm. too. Uh, but I, but I think- on balance, I thought he was the one who was more thoughtful about the country's problems right now. Oh, most definitely. I think what we've seen from Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine now in these first two debates is their goal is to get that soundbite, that tweetable moment that goes viral. Mm-hmm. And they're just throwing everything they can at it to see if something will stick. And for some people, some of them, some of it has stuck. But overall, I don't know that they've had that moment that seems to be the main thing that they're trying to get. Uh, where was that wrap-up that I saw? I thought I brought it with me. Maybe I didn't. I, going right where you were at, looking for that soundbite, uh, many people agreed last night on sort of both sides of the media establishment aisle that Pence won the night. But a guy who's usually pretty fair-minded is uh, Jake Tapper. He's at CNN right now. And he said Pence may have won the night, but will he win the week? Meaning... The media now is going to have their turn with the sound bites, and will Pence still be the winner in a week? I thought that was that was as close to an admittance of media sort of in the bagness that has ever come from someone in the media. Yeah, he may have done his job tonight and shown Tim Kaine or Tim Kaine show showed everybody what what he is mm-hmm. or, or what he was sent out there to do and be. 
but we're going to take it from here, right. and it won't matter by the weekend. Right. You might have won a close game, but in the end, if we're only showing highlights from the other team and you have a low-information voter society. We had a little low-information voter interactivity last night mm-hmm. uh, while this was going on, mm-hmm. and the, the, the text that we got from uh, a mutual acquaintance was uh, simply one line. I wouldn't buy a car from Tim Kaine. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was was Very kind of interesting, interesting. considering my, my first message to you was that he's trying to sell us a, a <laughs> which, used car. Yeah, it's and, a and, lemon. and that message wasn't shared with the person no. that we got the other text from. No, it was just you and I. So, and yeah. So I, I did, after the fact, share that idea uh, with our uh, low-info acquaintance, and he thought it was classic, but okay. I, I had time to develop the message a little further uh, by that time. Um, Where does it go from here? We're back at it Monday night in St. Louis, Washington University campus. This time it'll be the headliners, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. I don't think either one of them plays on anything that happened at the VP debate, I think we uh, we've already we've already discussed what the game plans are. We've we've sussed it out. What mm-hmm. you're going to see is that it, this is going to be a different format than than the last one. So don't expect what you saw last night: two people sitting at a table, or or even the two podiums. This is right. m- more town hall type. So it's going to be up moving around. Um, but we're going to see that Hillary is still going to want that that moment that retweetable gone viral moment uh and she's gonna want to keep the focus on on trump and can trump not be goaded into spending the whole time on defense in trying to explain himself over stuff that he Mm -hmm. that he shouldn't be even be bothering with yeah that's what i'm gonna look for come sunday night is i think hillary's going to want to repeat performance Mm -hmm. from debate one and trump's going to be the one uh, trying to, I don't want to say improve, but but pull off a different, uh, whether it's performance, uh, different tone than he did the last time around. Has and, he learned anything? Yeah. And I, I think the answer is going to be yes, because the one thing that so many of us were surprised with uh, during the primary was his incremental and sometimes evolutionary leaps between debates there. Mm-hmm. So he is somebody who has shown, like him or not, that, that he will learn from one performance to the next, so I think Sunday night, different environment. Uh, you're gonna, I think you're gonna have a little bit more of the crowd interaction. Does Donald feed off of that? We know he has uh, in the past mm-hmm. when crowds have been rowdier during primary debates. So I think that's gonna be a little bit different. But as for lifting anything from this and seeing specific follow up, I doubt that we'll see any of that coming up on Sunday night when the two candidates are together for the town hall style presidential debate in St. Louis. The other thing I wanted to pick out. Uh, from last night, other than the overwhelming government has all the answers, uh, government is the end-all, be-all that, that Tim Kaine espoused from the Hillary Clinton campaign, was the idea that the Democrats, for the first time, and by the way, mm. when did the two representative parties switch tie color? Well, In no, the past, it, Republicans had always worn red and Democrats blue, and almost down the line, you, universally, it's been opposite now, this th- time. This is about how your how people again we're 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 just raw nerve endings so it's how do we feel about what we're seeing the person that we're seeing mm-hmm. so i understand that their colors even though that switched sometime in the last generation or so right. because democrats used to be red republicans were blue that just switched one election cycle and it hasn't gone back um tim kane wanted to express you know uh power 
the exertion of that power, that's essentially then, boom, the power tie. Mike Pence wants to come across as, hey, I can understand. Uh, I can connect with people. I'm a little bit more, uh, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's all about how we Brooks view Brothers. it. Huh? The Brooks Brothers. Well, the that's the suit itself, not yeah. necessarily the tie, but the tie was used to to instill a certain feeling among those Calmness. who were watching. Yes. Yes. He's under control. Give and me some give me some life in the tie. Give me something cuz we're going to go bland suit, we're going to go white shirt. This is what it is. Solid. T- come on, you got to give me this something. This is what it is. What was Hillary wearing uh, during the president? She was wearing the, the red suit. the red power pants suit. Same thing. Donald that was looked wearing almost a- as bad. That red power pants suit looked almost as bad as the old uh, 70s White Sox softball uniforms that they wore for a while. They wore the shorts <laughs> for a while. I've choked Quaid all up. Oh, with the, with the, with the collars yes. and everything? Yeah. Yes, that, looked, that looked almost uh, that bad. But no, the, the, the end of the debate last <laughs> night I thought brought up a very interesting moment. You had Mike Pence, the representative of the Republican Party, actually make what I thought was the most conservative statement of the night, and it was aimed at social conservatives and religious conservatives, and that's when he pressed Tim Kaine and the Democrat Party on their support of parth- partial birth abortion. Well, it was, it was a, the, the topic was abortion. He took mm-hmm. it to partial yes. birth abortion. Yeah and, yeah, and usually that is a topic that no politician wants to bring up because it's so fraught with emotion, uh, strong feelings, and, and it's, it's almost like a third rail within a third rail mm. in a way. And, and he brought that up, and I thought he was very eloquent about saying that, that principles uh, in his life would never allow him to, to support that, and, yet, and he put Cain who had just talked about his life as a Christian and, and the conundrums that he faced, he put Kane in the role of having to defend his party's support of partial birth abortion. I thought it was a strong moment. Uh, yeah, I, I thought Kane uh, kind of uh, made an attempt to explain himself that uh, this is his job and he's there to uphold the law, and this is what the law is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pence uh, obviously understands that position and, and pushed it a little further in saying, but you you work towards, uh, you know, making things copacetic with uh, what your belief systems are, and you know what right and wrong is. Yeah, I, 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 it was an interesting place that I don't think anybody could have predicted that it would go. Yeah, and that was interesting last night. Uh, plenty of highlights up online just about everywhere. I hope you enjoyed the uh, rundown that we had here at the beginning of the show today. All right, coming up this morning on the morning meeting, One state is so blue, they're even impressing the sitting president as his landmark domestic legislation falls apart all around him. We'll touch on that and Travis Aiken, part of Lawsuit Abuse Awareness Week, coming up on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Travis Aiken coming up in just a moment. Well, it's no longer in the realm of theoretical, Quaid. Mm-hmm. Your tax dollars are now being directly used to support illegal invaders. That's right. What else are illegal immigrants? Immigrants is the focus tested group word that uh, makes them out to not be hostile in some nature. But if they're here illegally, they've crossed the border illegally, they have 
by definition, broken the law. Invaded our country. Oh, well, there's that. Yeah. California has petitioned the Obama administration for a waiver on the part of the act that would bar them from offering Affordable Care Act coverage to illegal immigrants. Wait a minute. Say that again. The state of California and its health care, its Obama health care exchanges, have requested a waiver from the Obamacare regulators that will allow the state of California to offer Obamacare coverage to illegals. So your tax dollars that are forcibly taken from you to subsidize the Obamacare program will now be spent, if California gets their way, on illegal immigrants. Uh, okay. Uh, there are, I'm sure that there are people out there who are surprised at this, uh, 0%. They could have told you that this was probably in the, in the makings from the get go. The issue of whether Obamacare would be available to illegal immigrants was quote, highly contentious in the debate building up to its passage in 2010. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The president, uh, himself, uh, when he addressed Congress in 09, said the law would not apply to illegal immigrants. Here's the thing. It can't. If you're not a U.S. citizen, our laws don't apply to you. It's when, it, and, and Kane did this during part of the debate last night, he tried to extend the protections of the U.S. Constitution to everyone in the world. <laughs> what offends me is that the one-worlders don't have the dignity and the testicular fortitude or the mammary fortitude, whichever side of the gender line you're on, to stand up and admit that they're one-worlders, that they are a borderless, open-world provocateur, agent. And that's fine. But just stand up and say, this is what I'm trying to make happen. Well, no, because that... And I understand what you're saying, but you can't be honest about that because I don't think... Maybe the rest of the world is ready for no sovereign borders, but I think uh, a, a, a large chunk of the U.S. populace, even those on the left side of the aisle, might kind of pause and go, hey, wait a minute, what? What, what was that? There's no sovereignty here in the mm -hmm. United States? Just have the... Have the and they, they, even the, the super lefty crowd would say, well, why are our rules and regs and laws so much better than the rest of the world's? Right. Who is it for us... To say that we can do this, you know, just to jump on the opposite side of it. Why, why, why are, why are, well, it's, it's our money that apparently is. That's making uh, the world go round. Yeah. That's right. So if, if you're a borderless one world believer, just stand up and say so. If you believe there should be consequence free murder of human life, i.e. abortion, stand up and say so. Just stand up for those positions that you hold. It's interesting. They're not going to do that because at that point in time, who are you handing authority over to? If, if there are no sovereign uh, borders, if there are no sovereign nations, uh, if everybody is a citizen or resident, I think probably the word resident of the globe who deserve to be taken care of by the United States taxpayer, um, who then makes those decisions? I would say, if uh, especially if you're a female, uh, start picturing yourself in a hijab and get used to Sharia law because they're not going to ask questions before they roll in and try to take this over. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't necessarily disagree, but that will cause problems. In fact, it already is causing problems. Go ahead and take a look at Europe.
All right, coming up this morning on the morning meeting, we celebrate Lawsuit Abuse Awareness Week with the only man qualified to throw that party, Travis Aiken, Executive Director of ILaw. next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting here on Talk Radio Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Secret Squade uh-huh. with you this morning, awaiting the arrival of Travis Aiken, Executive Director of ILaw. It is Lawsuit Abuse Awareness Week. And uh, producer Josh trying to get a hold of the man who was so excited about this that we'd already been talking about it uh, over the weekend and this morning to get him ready to go. And now, uh, hopefully, Travis isn't pulling the persona non grata here well, I know at it's the crucial moment. Lawsuit Abuse Awareness Week, but I would think that we would be part of that party if, 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 if I'm Travis. We're in on that, right? I mean, he's not, he's not celebrating out there somewhere and doesn't include us, does he? So you're saying we're part of the class action party. We'd well, be in on that. I would think, yes, that, that, that we and the uh, WTAD audience would be included in on Travis's awareness celebration party. I would be surprised. Do I need to go get the ice cream scooper? Uh, it doesn't appear that we're going to have a party here. Producer Josh is sweating this out right now. All right. Uh, you had several things that you were going to bring up with him, in addition well, to talking about uh, why this is uh, National Lawsuit Abuse Awareness Week. You want me to, you want me to go here? Set it up so okay, that when well, we bring him on. All right. Well, we've been talking about uh, this off and on for the past, mm, what, month? Uh, but uh, this is a story AP contributed to it, but it's uh, out of Chicago. Uh, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals has put a stay, and I'm reading right for the story right now, has put a stay on a district court decision that said same-day voter registration on Election Day at polling places in Illinois was unconstitutional. Mm-hmm at least temporarily allowing now for same-day election voter registration in the state. So if you remember, there was a suit brought forth saying it was uh, unfair because counties in the southern part of the state, i.e. outside of Cook County, Collar Counties, right. couldn't, didn't have access to same-day voter registration that they did there. Mm-hmm. You, you could still register same-day here, but you'd have to go do it at the, at the courthouse and then go vote in these other places, it was a one-stop shop, mm-hmm. and you could get all that taken care of. And the argument was, well, that's not fair to other people around the state in less populated counties. Uh, so it was taken away. Uh, so now this has been stayed uh, as we are now, what, less than five weeks or yep. about five weeks from Election Day. So uh, now it looks like this is back on the table. And this is very important. You talk about having a ground game uh, in place for both Republicans and uh, Democrats. Having this same-day election, I'm going to give you some numbers, more than 100,000 people registered to vote 
uh, on Election Day in precincts statewide back in March during the primary. You remember the, the big crush of people showing up to vote. I want to vote today. Oh, you're not registered. I need to go get registered. And then there weren't enough ballots for everybody uh, here in Adams County and in other counties around the state. Of those 100,000 people who vote, uh, got registered to vote on Election Day statewide, 35,000 of them were in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Just the city itself. Um, Attorney General Lisa Madigan has uh, been arguing that taking that option away from, well, essentially Chicago and 35% of people who voted same day to get registered in this state uh, back on primary day, taking that option away from people in that part of the state for the November 8th election when it's just weeks away uh, was unfair and would deny some citizens their voting rights. Uh, So the Court of Appeals ruled in their favor. They are having a hearing on this tomorrow afternoon. Mm -hmm. The judge that originally heard the first case made the ruling. Then he was asked if he would reconsider his own decision. He considered it did not reverse himself. Then it went to the Court of Appeals. They stayed his original decision. I've been over here deciding if I'm going to ask you the name of the judge that pursued this, but I decided not to do it. Samuel Der... <laughs> no, let's get entertained, everybody. Samuel Der Yegayan. Yegayan. Something like that. Is there an umlaut? There's I, a dash. Can I buy an umlaut? You might be able to. Uh, he considered it, considered the case at par, issued the ruling that... Same-day polling place registration uh, essentially unfairly cuts into the rights of those outside of Cook and the Collar Counties. Mm. And so he stated for this last election. This is what led to, or what at least most of those who were in charge of the balloting pointed to as why the, uh, the ballots were short in the spring when it came time to vote in the primary. So this is this is another, in a sense, it's not there to control who can vote because we said it before on the show. This is your most important responsibility, being part of this democratic, small d, democratic republic. The ability to vote, the right to vote, the responsibility to be informed when you vote. If you think it's too much of a burden to, in the long months and years leading up to an election take the time to make sure that you're registered to vote then you're not taking your responsibility as a citizen seriously and i'm not going to hear i'm not going to to hear from the procrastinator crowd that says well i just i was busy i had stuff to do i work i've got 14 kids I got you know, Overwatch I, oh, to play. Oh yeah, I got I got I need to, I'm so spoiled with everything being done for me or done mm. on my smartphone that mm. I just need to be able to do this all at once and rush my way through it. No. This is a serious responsibility and obligation. Make sure your ducks are in a row before you go vote. And I don't I don't want same day voter registration anywhere for anyone. It uh speaks to Handling your own business, being being, it, it speaks to adulting, is what well, it does. Yes, um, and it also tells me that if you're not responsible enough to get this done ahead of time, you're probably not responsible enough to reasonably educate yourself and vote. This isn't like when, sort of a litmus test when you're in school and they have polling booths, you know, set up in one of the main lobbies mm-hmm. or near the lunchroom, so you can go and vote on class officers, you know, at lunchtime. 
or right. before school, and then they take. It isn't like that. This is this is the adult world, and it seems like the adult world keeps acquiescing more and more to that. You know, schooling way that well, uh, of doing things or approaching the, things. It's the mentality of children, right? And and, and we've discussed. It was it was earlier this week on the show. And I know it's only Wednesday, but the slippery slope that this leads to. If you're too busy, too it, it's too cumbersome. The bar's too high for you to go get registered to vote. Which, by the way, it, it's not like these are new rules for you, new voters. It's Correct. not. It's not like this wasn't the case for oh, I don't know, Sean, or me, or producer Josh. Or my, you know, my mom. I mean, we had to go and do this. It was something. Mm-hmm. It, it was one of those rites of passage. You know, you went. You to went, me, this is the same as going to register for selective service when you you're had a guy, to you do that 18. too. Yes. You know, you don't. Oh, I need that to be able to be done where I eat lunch. No, you got to go do it. And and if you persist in that, everything's too hard. Everything's too high of a hurdle for you to get over then very much expect other people to take that responsibility on for you, uh, i.e. Big Brother government. You know, this makes me think of an opportunity that we may have, and, and opportunity is a dangerous word here. Uh, in, in some societies, they have a caste system, and those societies have been moving away from that in favor of a modernization. But it's almost... As if we have a two-class caste system here. Active participants in our process and those who wish to just be passive backseat riders. Oh, we've got a lot of backseat riders. And you know what? If I, <laughs> Boy, this is dangerous. But I would almost, you know, when, when you turn 30, you get an opt-out clause. You know, you can you can opt for passive backseat citizen. You almost become like a second class citizen, but mm, th- then yeah. you, you you don't get to vote. You're you're relieved of the burden of having <laughs> to vote, and it'll it'll come with other things that you're relieved of as well, like participation in social welfare programs uh, and all of these I things was along say, the way. Being a a backseat driver citizen allows you to also uh, wear the vest of victimhood. Because no, when, because you chose it. No, well, but you you you'll see, but again, you talk about those hurdles are too high. As a backseat driver, those those hurdles are too. You need to. Hey, I'm just noticing now that you need to do something the way I wanted to. Oh, you haven't done even the most marginal things mm-hmm. to be involved in the process. Well, that's not fair to me. I'm a I'm a citizen. No, you're and not. I, you're a half a citizen well, because see, you opted out. <laughs> well, you are already implementing Sean's Sean's plan. Yeah. So this is. It, 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 and, and we shouldn't leave citizens, citizens in this great country behind. But it frustrates me when people won't participate in the most important portion of being a citizen. They're willing to take all the benefits of being a U.S. citizen. The, the security here at home of having such great military and intelligence uh, around the world. Have we been under attack of late? Yes, we have. But those are just dangers of living in a modern world. We still have a fantastic military and intelligence that protects this country and our citizens. Uh, we have the opportunity 
to grow. No matter what socioeconomic background you were born into, you may have found yourself in in life, you still have the opportunity to improve that, to continue to strive for health and happiness and, and income and freedom. You still ha- you're still willing to take bites at the apple on all of the opportunities that America gives you, and you really can't be bothered to take 30 minutes, 60 minutes maybe if you're in a more urban area where traffic is tough, mm-hmm. uh, to, to take a time, one time, to make sure that you're registered to vote even, and then vote. Even low-information voters that, that, that we are both friends with have talked about gaming everything so that they can vote early. Travis says he's ready to party, Producer Josh. He's ready to party. Well, by he's the ready way, to party at ten fifty-two. Let's take the time out, and we can make fun of Travis okay. coming up next. He may be a low information participant on the next segment here on the morning <laughs> meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio nine thirty WTAD. WTAD. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Travis Aiken with us to kick off Lawsuit Abuse Awareness Week. He's going to celebrate by being sued by this show for not being here for his own segment. Travis, what were you doing to uh, celebrate this morning? Travis! <laughs> yes, I, I'm here. There is, a, uh, there is a voice on the other line here. <laughs> this was a bad idea. Travis, the, the, uh, I, there, there's some dude like moaning in the phone over here. Oh, get off I, the phone, I, dude! I, I don't know what's going on. Oh right my now. gosh! All right, oh, well, no. we might talk to we might set this up to talk to Travis again tomorrow when things aren't so crazy. <laughs> Producer Josh, all right. <laughs> Go ahead and cut him off. I'll apologize to Travis later, later today. That's this hilarious. Been, this has been an, an unmitigated, I don't want to say disaster, you know what? but uh, <laughs> this is we're going to get a ruling from the bench. Lawsuit abuse awareness week is supposed to be happening Quaid, with what was, some guy off phone somewhere going, <laughs> I, can, I can hear it too. I can hear it <laughs> Maybe it was his submission for Aiken or Aiken. What was Travis doing this morning on the steps of the courthouse, Quaid? It wasn't this Pull morning. Because remember, it's, it's Lawsuit Abuse Awareness Week. week. Yes, he kicked so it off it on Monday. Monday. Me, I was going to give him cover that he was doing this. is why he failed to appear for his own segment. No, this happened. Uh, well, actually, it was yesterday morning. He didn't do it on Monday. He did it yesterday morning uh, at, at the Madison County Courthouse. Now, we've had our issues with Madison County on the show and, and, and a lawsuit breeding ground. Certainly, Travis uh, refers to it as one of the judicial hellholes, yes. not just to the statement of the country. Mm-hmm. So he went to the steps of the Madison County Courthouse at Edwardsville, uh, a- encouraging voters to educate themselves on judges appearing on the ballot. Uh, the theme was good judges matter. They were uh, distributing voter guides to people around the... Uh, Around the courthouse, there they had a billboard truck going around. He got he got downright radical on the steps of the courthouse. So I would love to talk about some mayors in the area have also signed off mm-hmm. uh, on the proclamation that it is uh, lawsuit abuse awareness week. I'm just curious if Hal Patton, mayor of Edwardsville, did as well. That's going to do it for us this morning. We'll see if Trav can't join us maybe tomorrow as we get to some key topics here. Rush coming up next. QND, QHS, soccer, second leg of the Crosstown Derby tonight, 630. It's all ahead. Grab the podcast wherever you get yours. It's the morning meeting.
Morning Meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. I'm